Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 562. Welcome in. Today, we're going to talk all about the preseason, particularly about quarterbacks in the preseason. Um, this is not going to be a recap of week one. I don't really care who won or lost. I don't really care. You know, there's a lot of things that the preseason gives to us that I think aren't necessarily valuable or interesting. Um, but I want to share what stood out to me. I love the preseason for one thing. I love, love, love getting an opportunity to watch quarterbacks play that we otherwise may not normally see. Drew Locke, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Now, of course, some starting quarterbacks did play this past weekend. We'll talk about that a lot. But, like, watching Malik Cunningham was one of my favorite things of the whole weekend. He had a final drive against the Patriots. He was outstanding. And it made me go, who do they play in the next two preseason games? When do we get to watch Malik Cunningham play again? I love that thing about the preseason. I love getting to watch these guys that we don't normally see. Now, we're going to talk about starting quarterbacks, although I want to qualify things by saying this. The preseason does not give us a perfect perfect representation of the teams we will see week one. Not all the starters are playing. Some guys are missing. Some guys are out. Um, I, I don't want to have the conversation where people are telling me, you know, the preseason doesn't matter at all. It's just the preseason. I understand that. Again, some starters aren't playing, but it's still football. And it's guys playing live reps. I think it's really entertaining. It's really fun. New players are trying to build chemistry. And so I want to talk about what happened and what went down. At times, you're going to see simplified schemes during the preseason. And if your starting offense is struggling against backups on the opposing defense, that's a problem, right? That, that kind of stuff did happen this past weekend. And, it, you know, teams are still in progress. I want to acknowledge that. I'm not going to come down with a hammer and say, this team struggled week one of the preseason. They're garbage forever. But you can read something into it. You're not, you're not going to get everything out of the preseason. You're not going to have a, a crystal ball and say, here's exactly what's going to happen this whole team season because they had a good or bad start in the preseason. But it's not nothing. And I, I love the preseason for that, that thing. Um, but again, like an analogy or an example of how you can't read everything into the preseason. The Raiders beat the 49ers 34-7. to They were dominated up front, the 49ers were. And that's just not an accurate representation of what the 49ers are going to be week one. You know, the backups were playing. The Raiders backups beat the 49ers backups. Woo! So cool. Like, I, I don't want to give it a ton of weight and say, you know, this is everything. However, it does mean something. And the most concerning thing we saw during preseason week one, one of the only things that was really concerning. As you look around the preseason, it was mostly fun. And this young quarterback did well or that young quarterback did well. But this past weekend... Russell Wilson of the Denver Broncos starting offense really struggled against the Arizona Cardinals defense and mostly the Arizona Cardinals backups on defense. It was like, oh, no, <laughs> what is happening? First of all, I want to just give a round of applause to the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I've been pretty hard on them during my preseason coverage. That was round one of my predictions. We'll revisit that and talk about how I really think they'll do now that I've had time to think and have even more time in the next couple of weeks to kind of gather some more thoughts. But Watching this game made me really respect Jonathan Gannon, their head coach. Um, it looks like their third-year linebacker, Zayvon Collins, who I've been waiting to kind of get going in the first two years of his career, it looks like he's going to fit in very well into Jonathan Gannon's offensive design. And then the fact that Russell Wilson and the Denver Broncos' starting offense played well into the second quarter before they had any success, 
that's not great. That doesn't make me go, woo, hallelujah. I am so confident in Russell Wilson and Sean Payton and this Denver Broncos offense. They played four total drives. Um, they finally came off the field after getting a touchdown on their very final drive. That's a story we'll talk about in a second, but it was ugly. And it wasn't even necessarily that Russell Wilson was bad. It was that the offensive line really, really struggled. Like a shocking amount of struggling. And I I don't know what to do with that information. It's only preseason week one. I don't want to come down with a hammer and say, Denver's garbage and they're the worst. I mean, I, I don't know, but I saw Russell Wilson running for his life a couple times in the preseason, even against backup defensive linemen. And you're like, What's happening here? How how is this possible? How how is it going to take four drives before the Broncos have any real success on offense? You know, Russell Wilson was seven for 13, had 93 yards and a touchdown pass. On the first drive, they went three and out. Uh, Then they missed two field goals on back-to-back drives. On their second drive of the game, by the way, the Broncos offense was handed amazing field position because of an interception. Receiver fell down. I think Rondell Moore fell down. Clayton Toon throws an interception. And the Broncos are handed like this great opportunity and did very little with it. Kick, end up kicking a field goal that they missed. To get that field position and come up with zero points, that's a problem. And to me, it was just an unconvincing performance from the Broncos offense. And I think Sean Payton held them on the field saying, you're not coming out until you do something good. We got to see more from this. We wanna, He's trying to build confidence in his team, but he also like... You know, if you take them out, they they fail three drives in a row, and then you just take them off the field. That's not good. And this you know, this what's the word? Performance really hurt my confidence in the Denver Broncos succeeding this year. I'm not gonna again give it too much weight, but it was like not a great start at all. And you know, Russell Wilson did some good stuff off of play action. We kind of got to see what their offense is gonna look like. It's gonna be Russ under center a lot. You know, bootlegs. Play action, a lot of running the football, a lot of stuff he did well in Seattle, and and frankly, even going back to his days in Wisconsin and college. And, you know, Russ was under pressure a ton, like all four drives. He was just constantly under pressure. And you're like, dude, this is is not good for their offensive line. And it's not the end of the world. They can look at film, clean stuff up. We don't know what's happening behind the scenes. There could have been a lot of misses on the offensive line. Maybe they checked the wrong stuff. Maybe just miscommunications they can work on. I don't want to say it's the end of the world for this offensive line because it's not, but it wasn't. It was not a good start. And you know, on the very final drive for the Denver Broncos starting offense, Jerry Judy has a really bad drop on third down, and you're like, "What's happening here?" <laughs> like, you know, this is the starting offense in Denver. Now on fourth and five, after already missing two field goals back to back, Sean Payton refused to kick a field goal again. It's like we're not doing it. We're gonna we're going for this on fourth and five. And Denver went for it. The Cardinals ran cover zero. They did an all-out blitz, so they throw a slant route to Jerry Judy after he, you know, right at the play after having a drop on third down. The next play, fourth and five, they throw a slant to him. He gets away from the defender, runs for a touchdown. Because it's cover zero, there's no help behind. Uh, there's no safety help. I, I lie. I mean, it's a good ending. It's like, how good? We can get off the field and everything. We can walk away not feeling horrible about ourselves. But my goodness, it was an ugly game for the Broncos' first-team offense. I don't know what to make of it exactly. Um, I, I think there's a lot of stuff they can clean up on film, but certainly not the best start ever uh, for the Broncos offense. And again, I, I want to repeat this. I don't think it was really Russell Wilson's fault. He was under pressure all day. And then to have Jerry Judy drop a, a wide open pass on third and five where he, he kind of looks early to see if he's going to get hit, drops the ball. You're like, this is just not good. And I give props to Sean Payton for 
keeping the offense on the field. Third and five, they don't get it. You've had two field drives in a row, missing field goals. You had a, a punt and where they went three and out in the first drive. It's like, we're going for it on fourth and five. Kind of risky, because if you go for it on fourth and five and you don't get it, then, like, is that the end of the day for Russ, where he just had four bad drives in a row? Thankfully, it worked. They had a slant. They got a touchdown. Uh, you know, Jerry Judy catches it, runs for a touchdown after the catch. It couldn't have worked out better, because then you can walk away with some confidence, feeling like it did something good. But but thank goodness for Denver's sake, they didn't, you know, have a, a failure on that fourth and five. Because then you walk off the field if you're Denver's offense going like, dude, we just got embarrassed by like a really bad card, you know, not a not a bad Cardinals defense. That's not what I mean, but backups, like guys that are not gonna start week one. And you're like, oh my, this is uh it's uh it's just not confidence inducing if you are a a person watching the Broncos offense. By the way, before we move off of this game. You know, Zayvon Collins was a highlight. And then I love the Arizona Cardinals all-red uniforms. All-red, white numbers, a little bit of gray trim around the outside of the, the the numbers. It looks so good. It's clean. It's simple. I love simplistic jersey styles. I think people often over-design uniforms. And the Cardinals, the all-red, all-red, white, a little bit of gray, like, perfect. You don't need anything else. I really, really like that design. And I thought it was kind of, like, classy and clean. I really, really like that look. Now... Russ had a rough start. I don't, again, I don't know if it's Russ as much as the Broncos' offensive line, but two quarterbacks were nearly perfect this past weekend. Pittsburgh quarterback Kenny Pickett looked fantastic. He played one drive against Tampa, had a great opening drive. Ten plays, 83-yard drive, and a touchdown. Call it a day. He walks off the field after a touchdown drive, says, done for today, putting, taking the helmet off, taking the shoulder pads off, going to watch this game, feeling good about myself. I loved it. And uh, that's what you want from your first-team offense, your starting quarterback. Kenny Pickett was 6-for-7, seven, 70 yards passing, one touchdown. Had a 33-yard touchdown pass to George Pickens where he fits it into a tight window. George Pickens breaks a tackle, runs for a touchdown. That's good yards after the catch. That's a great performance. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. I loved it. You got to feel good if you're a Steelers fan. That's what you hope to see from your starting quarterback making their preseason debut. You come in, you do well, you drop a couple dimes, you walk off the field, everyone can take a deep breath and feel great about their day. And uh, I love the George Pickens to, or I guess the Kenny Pickett to George Pickens connection. That's going to be fun. I think it's going to become a dynamic duo in Pittsburgh if it's not already. And uh, round of applause for Kenny Pickett. He did a great job this weekend. Uh, Derek Carr was a similar story. Derek Carr... Played in his first ever game for the New Orleans Saints. By the way, that dude looks really good in gold and black. I like the look. He looks good in the uniform. Uh, Playing against Kansas City, his first ever drive for the Saints was a 12-play, 80-yard drive for a touchdown. Hallelujah. Saints fans, that's awesome. What you don't want to see Derek Carr go out and do in his first ever game is play horrible or play bad. Again, I don't want to give it too much weight. It's preseason. However, that's good. Like That's a great job. Derek Carr was 6-for-8, had 70 yards and a touchdown. Um, It's a great start for him. I think that Saints fans right now should feel confident, feel like, hey, it's our division to lose. We saw Carolina kind of struggle on offense. We don't know what the Falcons are going to look like yet. Tampa's still figuring out who their starting quarterback is. Derek Carr and the the Saints right now. It's weird, by the way, to say Derek Carr and the Saints, not Derek Carr and the Raiders. Like My my brain just now almost said Derek Carr and the Raiders because it's been so long and it's ingrained and that's who he is. Like silver and black. No, it's gold and black now. More like black and gold, but either way, Saints fans, it's your division to lose. If I'm a Saints fan right now, I would feel really good, really confident, and hopeful. And uh, 
If they don't win their division in New Orleans, something went wrong, in my opinion, because the potential's there. The offense looks good. Derek Carr looks comfortable. And uh, gosh, I'm so excited to see what happens in the NFC South. I don't know. I, I, I am worried a little bit that it might have been overconfident in Carolina. Maybe I undervalued Atlanta. Baker and Tampa's just this wild card that, you know, anything could happen. They could be 2-15. and 15. They could be 11-6. and six. Like, you have no idea what's going to happen in Tampa. You don't. I don't. I don't know what to make of it. Um, but the Saints right now, they're the team to beat in the NFC South. And Derek Carr had a really good start to his career as the Saints quarterback. By the way, shout out to Kansas City backup quarterback Shane Bouchelle. Guy who moved around a little bit in college. Found a home in SMU. Uh, he, had, he had two touchdowns on the day. And uh, it is one of his touchdown passes was sweet, man. He made a defender miss in the backfield, kind of extends the play, makes a move, throws a touchdown. You're like, man, that's awesome. And Patrick Mahomes' reaction after that touchdown was like, yeah, he's going crazy. He's all excited for Shane Bouchelle. You love seeing that. And uh, I love watching these young guys do well, these backup quarterbacks. that Like, is Shane Bouchelle, I know they got playing Gabbard in Kansas City. Could Shane Bouchelle become the backup quarterback long-term in Kansas City? I mean, He's kind of found a home. They kept him there last year. Didn't do a lot last year. Now he's on the roster, more in a, a more solidified you know position. And I, if Patrick Mahomes goes down, it's probably Blaine Gabbert right now. But in time, could it eventually be Shane Bouchelle? I like the kid, man. Plays well, does some good stuff. And uh, I don't know. I'm rooting for Shane Bouchelle in Kansas City. Now, um, Houston Texans quarterback C.J. Stroud. Played in his first ever NFL game, and uh, this guy was the number two overall pick earlier this year. There's high expectations and high hopes in Houston. And against the Patriots, he struggled. Wasn't all his fault. Um, He was two for four passing, had 13 yards and an interception. He got sacked. The offensive line was struggling. CJ Stroud's kind of running for his life. Had had to escape a sack once and, you know, escape left and run for a little bit of yardage. Do a really bad interception. Pressure's in his face. He... Terrible pick. Um, I want to repeat something. I think a lot of people, the reaction was very strong to CJ Stroud. The memes, they're funny. They're very mean. Um, I think a more tempered reaction when you watch CJ Stroud struggle, honestly, in his first ever game is that I want to repeat something I've said many times. CJ Stroud has the toughest path for any young quarterback in the NFL right now. He's got a rough offensive line. Not great receivers. There's some potential at receiver, but we're not sure what's going to happen there yet. Certainly not what he had at Ohio State. Um, He's in a historically dysfunctional organization with a kind of wacky owner. He's got a first-year head coach. That doesn't mean it's bad. I like D'Amico Ryans. I think long-term, he's the coach that can make Houston respectable, but it's a coach who's never been a head coach before D'Amico Ryans, who's going to be learning some stuff this year. By the way, D'Amico Ryans is a defensive head coach who is not working intimately with the quarterback day-to-day and not paired with the quarterback. I don't love that. I wish he had an offensive coach who was in his back pocket helping, helping him the way that Trevor Lawrence has, the way that uh, Anthony Richardson has in Indianapolis. And it's not going to help that C.J. Stroud is a number two overall pick. The expectations are sky high in Houston. And right now, there's two quarterbacks on the depth chart behind him. You got Davis Mills, who was a starter last year, and Case Keenum. Both of them have played a lot of games, and both of them right now, today, Davis Mills and Case Keenum are better and more prepared to win in the NFL than C.J. Stroud. I don't know what you do with that information. I don't know that you are going to bench C.J. Stroud, make him not your starting quarterback. You're going to, I guess, throw him to the fire and let him learn. Is that worse or better than benching him till he's ready and letting Davis Mills play? I have no idea, but it's interesting. And 
You know, there's a really bad team around CJ Stroud. They're just not a lot of talent. And that's the opposite of what he had in college at Ohio State. Regularly at Ohio State, he had far, far better players. Now, the Georgia game was really good. I thought that was the best performance uh, he had all year. You could argue the way CJ Stroud played against Georgia was the best any quarterback played last year in college football. Um, but, man, I am, I'm concerned. I'm trying not to stress about it. But it's like, how? what's the ceiling for C.J. Stroud? Can he really be like a top five quarterback? He's not super mobile. He's he's accurate. Doesn't have a massive arm. How much better is he really? How much of an upgrade is he really than Davis Mills? That's a question you don't want to ask. It feels a bit unfair. He's a rookie. Like, I, I don't know. It just, it's true though. My brain thought that. Like, should they start Davis Mills week one is a legitimate question. I, I mean, it depends what your objective is. Are you trying to win? Are you trying to justify drafting CJ Stroud so you got to play him and invest in him and give him time to develop and progress? It's a it's a weird situation, man. And I, I think Houston fans have to give CJ Stroud patience because if he can stay healthy, I mean, he's going to be running for his life, I think, with this offensive line. But if he can make it to Week 18, then Week 1 to Week 18, we could see a different quarterback. He could develop a lot and grow and... That road's going to be rough, though. Interceptions, bad plays, good plays, hopefully good moments here and there. Probably not very many wins, but I think there's kind of a rough road ahead for ZJ Stroud. Some some tough moments, some losses. He's going to be really tested mentally with his fortitude and his ability to, uh, you know, hang in there mentally and emotionally through a tough season. One that he probably, I mean, he dominated in high school. He was amazing in college. I don't know that CJ Stroud's ever had a season like he's about to have in Houston this year. He's got to not get discouraged and the fan base has to not turn on him. It's going to be a really, it's going to be a long and tough road, I believe, for CJ Stroud. This is going to be an interesting one. And, you know, someone asked me on Patreon to predict which quarterback would fail the young quarterbacks. I'm not going to predict which quarterback is going to fail. I'm rooting for all of them to do well. Uh, but, and this is a, I'm repeating something I said a couple weeks ago, but I did say at that time when I got asked that on Patreon, like, if anyone's going to you know, fail, it might be C.J. Stroud. I'm not rooting for that. I'm not even going to predict that. That's not fair. That doesn't feel cool to me. But, man, uh, it's going to be a rough year. And, and I just hope that Houston fans will be patient with him, allow him to grow, allow him to develop, and that he's got to not get discouraged. He's got to keep going and keep fighting and growing week to week. When you're losing a ton— and not just like losing and winning games. I mean, losing where you're like, you're making the wrong reads. You're a bit overwhelmed. You're seeing stuff you've never seen before. I didn't know what events could do that. Oh my gosh. I mean, I just hope that he can mentally push through what's going to be a tough year this year in Houston for CJ Stroud. I'm rooting for the young man, um, but I, I have concerns. And uh, gosh, it's going to be, I think I said it during my predictions. The Houston Texans are not a good team, but they're a very, very interesting team and mostly it's because of what's happening with cj stroud is he gonna work is he gonna not work and then if he does work what's the progression look like i mean that's gonna be a fun film analysis video to make talking about uh, if, if we can make one the nfl i'm, I'm not gonna ask screw it i'll say it. the nfl just changed how they do film behind the scenes so i i don't know if i'm gonna i i am very hopeful I, I got a couple i'm working on right now and then i hope i can do some next offseason if the nfl allows me to <laughs> who knows but um Anyway, uh, let's talk about the number one overall pick for Carolina. Um, Bryce Stroud played against the Jets. They're Bryce Stroud. That's a mix of CJ Stroud and Bryce Young. 
Bryce Young, the Carolina Panthers starting quarterback, uh, their former number one overall pick in this year's draft, he played three drives against the Jets, three punts, uh, two of them were three and outs. The offensive line struggled. Wasn't great. It wasn't as bad as what happened with C.J. Stroud, but you know Bryce Young was four for six, had 21 yards passing. He was fine. Didn't he? Didn't play a lot, honestly. Three drives, like you know, nine, ten plays. Not that interesting or exciting. He only got one first down while he was in at quarterback. Um, you know, the good news is Bryce Young wasn't really the problem. In fact, I think a couple times he did good stuff and his teammates didn't help him out. Like there was a throw where third down, he has got to get the ball out really quick. Re- receiver LaVisca Chenault didn't get his eyes around and look for the ball. Like that, it's little things like that where like they're not on the same page and it is a rookie quarterback and a new offense and everyone's kind of gelling and figuring stuff out. But, you know, um, I'm not sure what to make of that. It was interesting. I, I don't want to panic there. I think Bryce Young did little stuff well. Quick game was good. He got rid of the ball as he was hit a couple times and delivered the ball on time and accurately. He's doing good stuff. Like, to be clear, Bryce Young didn't do anything wrong in the three drives he played against the Jets, but his teammates didn't help him out. The offensive line wasn't great. I think they got to be better in the future. I think they even called themselves out for that. But uh, I don't know. It was just an interesting kind of, like, yeah, kind of a not bad and not good, just not really noteworthy performance other than it's Bryce Young playing in his first game as an NFL quarterback. But if it was any other quarterback, we probably wouldn't even talk about it. Be like, oh, yeah, that was that was what it was, you know? Now, um, by the way, I want to say this. I watched that game, and Steve Smith, the former NFL receiver, played in Carolina. Steve Smith is an amazing broadcaster. Oh, my goodness. I love the guy. Steve Smith is entertaining, insightful. I love his analysis. Like, oh, my goodness. Steve Smith is a really, really good broadcaster. And, uh, I love it, man. I want to see more. I, I think what happens in the preseason, if I if I remember correctly, the radio partners are the ones doing the TV broadcast because there's not a lot of deals and it doesn't do a lot of traffic. So they just have the radio simulcast, the radio guys simulcast the broadcast on TV and on the radio. Uh, so I don't know if Steve Smith is a TV broadcaster or radio broadcaster. However, that dude is good at his job. I, I really like what he did. I liked listening to him. I liked his insight. Um it reminded me of Aqib Tlaib a couple of years ago when that one moment we got Aqib Tlaib to broadcast an NFL game and he didn't stick. I think that the, the suits that are boring and stuff, he didn't like Aqib Tlaib, but I loved it. I thought it was really interesting and, and exciting and energetic and really like good analysis. And um, I don't know, man, I'd love to see more of Steve Smith. I really, really liked watching and listening to him uh, during that game. Uh, the other rookie quarterback that played, I mean, a lot of rookie quarterbacks played, but the other top five pick that played that's like really noteworthy is that um, Indy started Anthony Richardson, their number four overall pick at quarterback, and uh, played against Buffalo. I got to say this, man. I, I really, really want to see Anthony Richardson be the day one starter in Indy. I'm a believer. I love the kid. Um, I think he's going to give Indy their best chance to win games week to week. He's not quite ready. He's going to make mistakes. There's going to be ugly moments. He had an interception where he threw a ball high and late to the flat sideline area. It was just kind of out wide to the right. And like, I don't know where exactly you're throwing. It's high. You're off your back foot. Not a great decision. Not an accurate throw. He's going to have ugly moments like that during the year, but his upside is insane. And against Buffalo, he was 7 or 12 passing, had 67 yards, had that interception I talked about. But, man, I think he's a perfect fit for... Colts head coach Shane Steichen and what he wants to do on offense, running with the quarterback, running the football a lot. And he is 
Anthony Richardson is truly special running the football. It's like a joy to watch. And the guy is, God, he's so talented. I mean, of all of the first-round quarterbacks that were drafted, he probably had the best day. I mean, he had a three, a sweet throw to Alec Pierce that should have been a touchdown. Should have caught it. I don't know if it's, it was a tough catch, but it was a, a beautiful throw. Dropped in the bucket. Uh, Alec Pierce couldn't hang on to it, but on a corner route down, you know, to the right side of the field, could have been a touchdown. It was a beautiful throw by Anthony Richardson that Alec Pierce couldn't hang on to. I think it's very, very likely. I said this at the time of the draft too, is that, or I think I said, at least I said it last year. I think Anthony Richardson could become the best quarterback in the draft. I mean, I really, really believe in this guy. I think Bryce Young's going to do well in Carolina. But, man, Anthony Richardson has the most talent of any quarterback in this draft class. Talented enough to become a top-five pick. What To do what, you know, Josh Allen does in Buffalo. To do what Justin Herbert's become. I mean, he is that physically gifted. And if he can figure it out on the field, which I think he can. I mean, he's, he made some good throws against Buffalo in week one of the preseason. I was like, wow, I didn't even know he was that developed. I thought... I watched him in college. He made a lot of boneheaded mistakes. I think he's already been learning and working on his game. And, I mean, that's obvious, but he looks better. And, again, there's going to be those ugly moments where he's young. They call it he's really raw. He's just not quite a a refined passer. But, I mean, neither was Josh Allen in year one in Buffalo. Josh Allen had a lot of ups and downs and wasn't great immediately in Buffalo. But you gave him time to develop and grow. He became a fantastic incredible quarterback. And I think we could see a similar thing with Anthony Richardson. Start the guy, make him the starting quarterback in Indy. I'd love, love, love to see that. I know he's getting the first team reps. I know he started the game. It looks like he's ahead of Minshew. Um, but the dude has so much potential and it makes me feel really bad for CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud plays for Houston. Richardson plays for Indy. They're in the same division. They're both top five picks at quarterback. They're going to be compared to each other a lot. And Look, C.J. Stroud is nowhere near as talented as Anthony Richardson. He's not capable of some of the plays that A.R. can make. I'm going to call him A.R., Anthony Richardson, A.R. A.R. can do stuff running and throwing the football that you're like, wow, you know, Jared Goff, Kirk Cousins, Ryan Tannehill, C.J. Stroud, like a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL physically aren't even capable of that play. Like massive throws, huge runs. Mac Jones physically can't do a lot of that stuff. And... C.J. Stroud is going to fail in the comparison to A.R. I mean, Anthony Richardson is dominant, and he's going to be viewed, I think, similar to Miami, where, remember when Miami drafted Tua over Justin Herbert? And at the time, we're like, yeah, great pick, you know? Herbert's not quite ready. Tua's NFL ready. Well, years later, man, I, I was wrong about that one. And if we could go back in time, I think Miami would absolutely take Justin Herbert over Tua. Can you imagine if Justin Herbert was a quarterback in Miami right now, throwing to Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, playing for Mike McDaniel. It was a home run. He's amazing. I think we're going to see a similar comparison with C.J. Stroud and Anthony Richardson where people are going to go, maybe they won't know the context. Maybe they won't realize how, you know, Anthony Richardson started like 13 games in college, wasn't really appeared to be ready, but had this upside that was amazing. He was viewed as a more risky pick for a team in Houston that, I think didn't want a risky pick. They wanted a stable player, but man, that's always going to be viewed as just maybe the wrong move, I think. And even if CJ Stroud does well, Richardson's probably going to be way better. And there's a reality where if you could go back in time, maybe you draft Anthony Richardson, number two overall, and you start Davis Mills week one until Richardson is ready. 
But Richardson already looks better than Gardner Minshew. And, and not that Gardner's bad. He went six for six this weekend against Buffalo. He did what he could. He controlled what he could. But, I mean, the offense just is going to be more productive with Anthony Richardson at quarterback. I mean, Anthony Richardson should be the starter. Gardner did his best. I mean, he got sacked twice. Again, six for six, 72 yards. Gardner Minshew's a great backup in India. I love, I love him as a person. We're not going to see Minshew Mania number three. He's, he's not going to make it. And Gardner's got such limited potential that, like, how many times when you watch him play, you're going to think, ah, you know, Anthony could make that play. That's just, it's, so I, I don't think it even makes sense to start Gardner week one at all. I don't th- think they're going to. But, um, man, you know, Anthony Richardson, he he's coming along. And uh, I think he should be the week one starter. I don't think Indy's going to win a lot of football games, but they're going to win more with AR playing quarterback for them. And he's ready enough. Put him out there. Let's see what he can do. Let him grow. Let him learn on the fly. Some people like love learning that way. Um, and you learn as you do stuff, and he'll make mistakes. It's going to be ugly at times for Anthony Richardson, but so is Josh Allen as a rookie. Go watch Josh Allen in Buffalo year one. Some bad throws, some bad mistakes, but also some really good ones, some really big plays where you're like, wow. This kid could be amazing. Look where he is now. I see a, a huge parallel between Herbert and Josh Allen and Anthony Richardson. They're, they're just, man, they're all so physically gifted, and I, I love it, man. I, I love what Indy's got. I think they got the right quarterback, and I I worry for C.J. Stroud, man. I think he's going to get compared a lot over the years, and he's got no shot in that comparison. He's just physically not capable of the stuff Richardson can do, and uh, that's a tough one. By the way, I mentioned him during my prediction segment for the Colts. I mentioned him in a, a, a point of uncertainty, like he's this unproven corner. They got a couple unproven young corners in Indy. Uh, one of those guys, fifth-round pick rookie corner, Darius Rush, had a pick six against Buffalo. Nice play. Loved it, man. You love to see that. He did awesome. Shout-out to Darius Rush. What a good pick six. Good player, man. Looks like a a dude who might progress quickly and well and— Um, You love seeing that. You love seeing a young corner make a big play like that during the preseason. Now, something that was a bit of a surprise to me watching Tennessee, I haven't watched much of their training camp. I don't have any sources in camp. So this was my first time really paying attention to the Tennessee Titans, you know, season or training camp at all. There is a really good quarterback competition in Tennessee for that backup quarterback spot. Who's going to be number two behind Ryan Tannehill? And, all game against Chicago, Malik Willis and Will Levis, they rotated. I I did not expect that to be a competition. I thought it was going to be very clear and obvious. Will Levis is going to be the backup quarterback. Um, and not because of how great Levis is, although I, I think he's solid. It's because of how bad Malik Willis was last year when we got to see him. Preseason, regular season, all of it. Like He, he ended up getting benched for Josh Jobs. They had to make Josh Jobs the starting quarterback week 18 and, and play him at the end of the year because Malik Willis wasn't ready at all. It looked bad. I mean, they played this game where they almost, I can't remember, I'm forgetting the details here, but they almost beat somebody like, it was like Kansas City or Cincinnati, some amazing team. They almost beat with Malik Willis throwing like five passes and doing horrible. I I remember, I can't remember the game exactly. I'm blanking on the details, but I remember Tennessee almost had a huge win last year against some team with like literally nothing at quarterback from Malik Willis. And anyway, the rookie second round pick, Will Levis, in the preseason this last weekend, did okay. It was nine for 14. 85 yards, had a really bad interception late in the game, had another play earlier that should have been an interception. So Will Levis should have had two picks on the day. 
although like looks physically really gifted and did some stuff that I was like, oh yeah, okay, there's potential here, but he got outplayed by Malik Willis and that shocked me. Malik Willis was amazing, you know, a second year player out of Liberty. Malik Willis was 16 for 25, had 189 yards and an interception, but the interception was bad luck. I mean, he, he threw the ball at a receiver, bounced off the receiver's hands, popped up in the air, got picked off. That's not really his fault. Uh, Malik Willis also ran for a touchdown. I mean, dude, Malik Willis, wow, that dude, um, he struggled last year as a rookie. And, you know, they drafted him thinking that long-term he could develop and become their future franchise quarterback once Ryan Tannehill moves on. And he did so bad last year, they had no confidence in him. They ended up drafting Will Levis in the second round. Well, hey, with competition, with a year of film to study, I mean, it's very clear to me, Malik Willis put in a lot of work during the offseason. He looks thinner. He looks like a better athlete, more dynamic. And the dude looks better throwing the football. I don't know what he did this offseason, but he studied. He worked hard. I, I really respect that. Good for him. And Malik Willis looked way better. More accurate. More comfortable in the offense. Um, he's moving all over the field, making really good throws. Like I, Malik Willis looked like what I thought he could become. In college at Liberty, he had so much potential where you're like, this guy's a great athlete with a huge arm. He's not ready, but in time he could develop. And I remember last year going... Yeah, giving up on the kid, thinking it's not going to work. Like, I, you know, I, I saw potential on film in college, but it's not going to turn into anything. He's just not coming along quickly enough. And no, no, no. In, in year two, he went back to the drawing board and, you know, messed with his throwing motion and did a lot of stuff. I was like, wow, I can't believe what we saw from Malik Willis. And, uh, you know, it's very possible that he might be QB number two behind Ryan Tannehill, which I, I gave up on that hope of ever happening. I, I was... Literally curious if they were going to keep him on the roster. That's how bad he was last year. And uh, now the dude has come along. And Malik Willis, wow, what a great day he had. And I want to see the rest of preseason what they do. But, um, I mean, that's what it's all about, right? Getting to watch guys like Malik Willis, that's why the preseason is fun. When you get to see these quarterbacks who they're growing, they're developing, they're learning, they're making big plays. Like, these young guys are awesome. And, uh, gosh, I loved it, man. Now, um, most of what I have to say today is positive and exciting. We talked about the Broncos offensive line, how they weren't great. And that was discouraging and interesting. There was another quarterback. Most of what I have to say today is positive. A guy's doing really well. Um, one guy didn't have a good day at all. 49ers quarterback Trey Lance had a really, really bad day against the Raiders. Now, I want to qualify it by saying it's not entirely his fault. The offensive line had a bad day, too. He was running for his life at times, although some of that's his fault. We'll talk about it. You know, Trey Lance had uh, a day throwing here are his stats. He was 10 for 15 passing, had 112 yards, had a touchdown pass, although that touchdown pass is very misleading. He made a terrible decision. He was running left, threw the ball late across the field into the middle of the end zone, and it should have been picked off. It was in a defender's hands right at a defender. By the way, he was throwing at the guy in his face. That's a, a terrible throw. You're running left, getting hit as you throw, throw the ball out of bounds, throw it away, live to see another down. But, you know, he tries to throw the ball back into the end zone, into coverage, gets picked off, I thought. But somehow, defender doesn't hold on to the ball. Ball ricochets up in the air, right in it, Ross Dwelly's hands for a touchdown. So the stat line, you look, oh, 10 for 15, 112 yards and a touchdown pass. Not bad. Okay, hell yeah. But the reality is it was way worse than that. He got sacked four times. 
He was holding onto the ball and quick game where like, hey, you got to get the ball out of your hands. Get get it to receiver. He was indecisive, made some bad reads. It was a kind of a mess. I mean, it, it really, the stats and then what we saw on film do not line up at all. It's really, really messy. And, you know, he should have had two interceptions. He had that interception that should have been an interception in the end zone. Got dropped. Then he had another one later. So the Raiders dropped two on the day. The stat line for Trey Lance should be, you know, 10 for 15, 112 yards, two interceptions. That's really what we saw on film. And I don't know, man. He was holding onto the ball too long. Again, sacked four times. It's not good. And you can argue the offensive line wasn't great. I even said it at the top. Like, you know, he had the, the offensive line in front of him didn't do the best job ever. That, and that's kind of an exaggeration. They were, they were, they were not good. Uh, but Trey Lance has to get rid of the football. And in quick game, you got to be decisive. You got to make good pre-snap reads. You got to have a plan with the football. And a couple times he went back to throw, didn't pull the trigger, gets sacked, is running around. It was ugly. And a couple times he had guys open and was inaccurate on throws. And it's just, I don't, I don't feel good, man. The 49ers offense had one yard in the first quarter with Trey Lance. Now, Sam Darnold came in. And moved to the ball way better than Trey Lance. He was 5 for 8 passing at 84 yards. Still had you know a rough offensive line in front of him, but he had a nice 3rd and 8 conversion. Hit an out route. He had a, a great throw on 2nd and 14 down the right sideline. Great, beautiful throw. Perfect. And uh, I know it's hard to judge because the Raiders' defensive line dominated up front. But it, it was not a good performance for Trey Lance. Sam Darnold looked better. Um, Trey Lance looked rough and was running around and I'm like, are you really in your second year of this offense? How is that possible? I I have significant questions of of him in that system. And what I want to see from Trey Lance at this point, I think he's the third best quarterback in that, that quarterback room. Um, I don't think it's going to work. I, uh, I, I just have my doubts, man. And I'd like to see Trey Lance traded to a different system. Go to, I think Minnesota's a great option. He's from Minnesota. They run an offense that's a little more similar to what he did in college where heavy play action, a lot of handoffs, a lot of, a lot of stuff under center. You know, we don't know if Kirk Cousins is still going to be in Minnesota next year. His, his contract is up. There's a lot of talk that he actually could end up in San Francisco. If you're the Minnesota Vikings, make an offer. Go trade for Trey Lance so you can have a year to evaluate him in practice and see what he can do. Is, he, is there any potential there? Because we're seeing Trey Lance just totally not work out in San Francisco. I think the price is a little too high. The 49ers don't want to get rid of him and give him up because they, you know, moved up in the draft. They drafted him third overall. That's their guy. They spent a lot of money and a lot of, I guess the word is capital on, not exactly money, but draft picks to trade up and go get him. They're invested in him emotionally and don't want to give him up for a, a low price, but they're never getting the the return on, on what they, they're never getting back what they gave up to go get him. And I, I don't know, man. Like, you're not going to get a second-round pick for Trey Lance. It's just not going to happen. If I'm Minnesota, I give up a fourth-round pick just so I can, you know, see what he can do. Because he's got physical ability. There's talent there, but he doesn't appear to to be grasping what's going on in San Francisco. It's really concerning. And Sam Darnold's come in and, I think, learned things quicker and looks better and has a better understanding of the system than Trey Lance does. I don't know what that's about. Because Trey Lance was there last year, too, and the year before. So I don't know how it's possible, but, you know, it's now two quarterbacks that, I guess, three. Jimmy Garoppolo did better than Trey Lance. Brock Purdy came and started behind him and now has done better than him. I think Sam Darnold came in after him 
should know the system as well, and it's doing better than Trey Lance. That's a problem. I, I think Trey Lance, I don't know. I just, I think there's talent there. There's potential and physical ability. But I don't think he's a quarterback in San Francisco. It's not going to work, and I would really like to see Minnesota trade for him. I don't know what other teams, right now, you got to wait till the year ends because a lot of teams that think they have a quarterback are still letting things play out. You know, um, the Falcons aren't going to bail on Desmond Ritter, even though I think he'd be fun to watch in the Atlanta Falcons offense, to watch Trey Lance, a guy who can run the football well. And I think him running Arthur Smith's system would be really interesting, but they're not going to do anything to disrupt what Desmond Ritter's doing in Atlanta. So I think the only team that might be willing to make a move for Trey Lance right now is Minnesota. And I would love to see that, man. I think that'd be really interesting and cool. And uh, I don't know, but I, wh whatever's happening, it's not working in San Francisco. And, I, and I'm shocked by that. I, I'm surprised that he's a guy in year three in that offense and doesn't appear to have a full grasp of what they're trying to do. Like, you got to get the ball out of your hands in quick game. You got to be accurate on stuff short underneath when you're trying to hit guys. A lot, what San Francisco does is get the ball in there. If you're a quarterback in San Francisco in Kyle Shanahan's offense, you are a distributor. You're getting the ball to Brandon Ayuk, to Debo Samuel, to Christian McCaffrey. You're not making plays. You're letting them make the plays. You're getting the ball out wide to Christian McCaffrey. He's making guys miss and running for 70 yards. You got playmakers everywhere, and he can't do the little stuff well. It's not good. It's a problem. And so, oh, I think this is me giving up. On Trey Lance, I, I've been hopeful and waiting, and I, maybe I already did emotionally, but it's uh, that that performance against the Raiders was not good, and uh, you know I, I'm hearing about Brock Purdy in training camp. The dude sounds prepared, ready to go. He knows the system. He's locked in. There was some quote I can't remember who it was. They said Brock Purdy might have come across like a mean guy just simply because he's so locked in and focused on what he's doing. And I love to hear that. You're like, okay. He's taking this really seriously, and Trey Lance, man, I don't know what he's doing, but to, to not seem to understand the offense at this point in your career, that's not great. It gives me really bad, concerned vibes. Um, by the way, Raiders quarterback Aiden O'Connell looked really, really well. He's a rookie out of Purdue, fourth-round pick. Aiden O'Connell is the name. The dude looked really good against the 49ers. Uh, I think there's something there. In the pocket, he looks like Tom Brady, which is not a shock. He's running the same system Brady did for a long time. But the movement, the footwork, I would imagine that all the teaching tape and learning the offense, because you get, if a coach gives you a new offense to learn, you get a lot of clips of former quarterbacks running the same plays and doing a lot of the stuff they've done before. I would imagine Aiden O'Connell has been neck deep in just watching a ton of Tom Brady film every night after practice and all around, you know, everything they're watching, like here's, Here's what we're installing today. Here's a clip of Tom Brady literally running it. Or even Jimmy Garoppolo from the Patriots, because it's Josh McDaniels in the Patriots system. And he looks like a guy who's been watching a lot of Tom Brady film. Like, the way he stands in the pocket, his body movement, his stepping up in the pocket, his movement in the pocket, all of it, man. It's really cool to see. And in this game against the 49ers, Aiden O'Connell was 15 for 18. That's really good. Had 181 yards and a touchdown pass. He played three quarters of this football game. Put up 24 points. The dude is awesome. He knows the system really well. Talk about I talk about Trey Lance not appearing to understand what they're doing in the 49ers offense. Aiden O'Connell's locked in. He knows exactly what's going on. He looked great. Did a good job. I respect his performance a ton. Um, 
And I'm not going to lie to you. If Jimmy Garoppolo gets hurt, I can't wait to watch Aiden O'Connell play in a real NFL game. I, I think there is a there's a potential for him to surprise a lot of people if he gets put on the field. I mean, it's one game. It's a preseason game. But I, I watched him in the Shrine Bowl. He was awesome. I watched him live in Vegas. And now I've seen him. Uh, and and not, not in the game, but I mean in practice all week. You get to see Aiden O'Connell a lot. You're like, hey, this guy's pretty solid. And then I'm telling you, man, if he if Jimmy Garoppolo goes down, I'm going to be like, can't wait to watch Aiden O'Connell because we saw Brock Purdy come out of nowhere and shock people. We saw that's a guy who, you know, small school, not a lot of hype. Aiden O'Connell's a similar guy, and he's a Big Ten quarterback, man. The Big Ten... That's a, a conference that plays different a different style of football that I just love. And uh, Tom Brady played in the Big Ten. There's a lot of weird parallels between Aiden O'Connell and Brady, and they even they again they look similar. And I, I think this kid can play. And he's not like gonna run for 70 yards or make insane throws, but he's accurate. He's on time. He's got really good anticipation. And the thing that really blew my mind was watching him in the pocket navigate pressure, step up, find a window, throw the ball over the middle. You're like, that looks really high level. Three incomplete passes, 15 for 18 in a preseason game. I know it's a preseason game, but wow. Rookie quarterback, first ever time playing in that offense, and he looked lights out. I was very, very impressed with Aiden O'Connell in Vegas. How about the, I like the word understudy, although apprentice is a little more fun. How about the Aaron Rodgers apprentices? How did they do this past weekend? Because Zach Wilson, the Jets' backup quarterback, looked really good again. It's a guy who grew up loving Aaron Rodgers, became the starting quarterback of the Jets for two years, didn't quite work, gets benched, now he's sitting behind Aaron. And this game, and what we saw in the Hall of Fame game, and now this game, it's reinforcing a belief I've had, which is that I, I think that Zach Wilson's career isn't over. He's going to sit. He's going to learn behind Aaron Rodgers. But there is still a shot he works out as a Jets quarterback long term. I mean, even the footwork. Watch Zach Wilson's footwork. It's identical to Aaron Rodgers. The footwork, the mechanics even. He looks like a little mini Aaron Rodgers clone. I love it. Zach Wilson, by the way, played the entire first half for the Jets that's outstanding because he's getting reps. He was a starting quarterback. He's not going to play all year, we hope, because Aaron Rodgers is going to be amazing and go 17-0 and win a Super Bowl with the Jets. He's just never going to look back and then retire and walk up into the sunset. Obviously, I'm exaggerating, but we're thinking Aaron's going to play all year. Zach's not going to get any reps during the year, so let's give him a ton of reps during the preseason. The Jets are doing that. They're letting him get on the field, learn, and grow, and it's awesome, man. Zach Wilson led two field goal drives, led a touchdown drive in a two-minute drill before halftime. And the guy looks way better. He looks more confident in his system and his progressions. He's working through stuff really well, one to two to three to four to finding the check down, moving around well in the pocket. He looks confident in his ability like himself, so he's confident in the system. He's confident in his ability as a quarterback. He's comfortable. He looks like Aaron. I mean, they ran a play on the goal line where... Play action fake. He sells it really well, flips around his body, throws a touchdown to the flat, and you're like, that looks like classic Aaron Rodgers right there. That's exact. I mean, it's crazy how similar they look. When you work under Aaron Rodgers, you watch film all day, you study his movement, you copy him, they look the same. And Zach Wilson was 14 for 20, had 123 yards and a touchdown, 123 yards and a touchdown. And this is kind of a, a silly thing to do, but if you double it, here's what it would, that what he was on pace for, if you double what he did in the first half, 
and let it play out through an entire game, Zach Wilson would have been 28 for 40, 246 yards and two touchdowns. That's perfect. I love that. Efficient, good yardage, two touchdowns. I mean, that's kind of a silly thing to do because the first half's never going to perfectly mirror the second half. But what I'm saying is he was on pace to have a really good game if he played all game. And I I think there's something here, man. It's uh, it's the preseason. I understand that. But you don't want your quarterback to play bad in the preseason. He played great. That's exactly what you want to see from Zach Wilson. And I think he's taking strides and growing and getting better. And if Jordan Love looks really well this year in Green Bay is going to even further reinforce my belief in Zach Wilson's future. I think Zach Wilson's got something there. He's going to learn from Aaron and grow. And if Jordan Love does well, it would be further evidence that, hey, guys who play under Aaron Rodgers learn from him, they grow, and they become starting quarterbacks. Zach Wilson could have a similar path. Let's talk about the other Aaron Rodgers understudy. Apprentice is another fun word there. Jordan Love looked good in the preseason week one. He had He was 7 for 10. Four to six yards and a touchdown pass. Nothing crazy. Had two drives. The first drive, he had a miss on a third down that probably would have been a huge conversion and they would have kept the drive going. Missed a little high. But it was a physical inaccuracy. It wasn't a bad read or anything. It was, just a, it was a miss. Physical, bad throw. I feel good about Jordan Love, man. Um, similar to Zach Wilson, Jordan Love looks like Aaron. His footwork, his mechanics, watch him in quick game. You're like, that looks like Aaron Rodgers with a different skin tone. It's amazing. It's really good. He's like, dude, that guy looks so good. I'm I'm a big believer in Jordan Love. I was in college. He, he, had, he had amazing highlights, and I loved his film. He had a lot of mistakes, a lot of growing pains, but he's had a lot of time to sit, a lot of time to grow. I feel really good about Jordan Love. And, and when I say highlights, I mean, like, the stuff he did, like, the, the best of Jordan Love in college was, like, that's an amazing throw. Rolling left, throwing back across the field into a tight window, and you're like, arm talent is there. Jordan Love has an incredibly massive arm. He can throw the football beautifully. And I have a kind of a, a strange and fun theory because obviously the Packers believe in Jordan Love, but I think they really, there's a different energy this year. They really think he's going to do well. They think he's their starting quarterback long-term. We hear the the GM and the the president talk about, well, we'll see around Thanksgiving how good he is. Halfway through the year, we'll know. But it's like, they know. Here's why I think the Packers believe in Jordan Love, other than what they've seen in practice during the training camp. Going into the offseason, they, you know, I guess a better way to put it is this, that here's a fun question. Why didn't Aaron Rodgers go to Denver last year? He loves Coach Nathaniel Hackett, his offensive coordinator in the Jets. He's talked about it a lot. I love Nathaniel Hackett. He's my guy. How come Aaron Rodgers then didn't demand a trade to Denver to go play for Coach Nathaniel Hackett? Hey, maybe it's because Nathaniel Hackett isn't a good head coach, which he clearly wasn't. But I think he also, Nathaniel Hackett's system works better for Aaron Rodgers than it does Jordan, than Russell Wilson. He didn't know what he was doing. I think he was in over his head. He's worked with Aaron. I think Russell... Took advantage a little bit of his trust in Russell, and he brought in a lot of his own guys and had his people running through the facility. So maybe Aaron just didn't want to play for Nathaniel Hackett, the head coach. He loves playing for Nathaniel Hackett as an offensive coordinator, but the minute Nathaniel Hackett goes and becomes the head guy, Aaron's out, doesn't want anything to do with it. That's possible. But I think think here's what's more likely. Here's my theory about this. Maybe Green Bay saw Nathaniel Hackett go to Denver and was like, We just got to beg Aaron to stay. Jordan Love is not ready. 
We are going to do whatever it takes to keep Aaron here. Aaron, we'll give you a huge amount of money, a new contract. Please stay here. Denver found out, hey, they're not going to give us Aaron Rodgers. We got to trade for Russell Wilson. They make that trade instead. But something happened behind the scenes where Aaron Rodgers decided to not go to Denver. I think part of it was he was convinced. Green Bay said, we're going to pay you a ton of money. We will pay you to stay. We need you here. Jordan Love is not ready. This offseason, they trade Aaron to the Jets. There was no fight. There wasn't. It seemed like the Packers were ready for Aaron to leave. What changed? Why did the Packers appear to be like, oh, yeah, you can go, Aaron. Have fun. Because they believe in Jordan Love. Jordan Love's probably ready. I would imagine Jordan Love in training camp this year compared to last year, very different player. They're like, oh, this guy is ready to go. We believe in him. And I do too. My my two favorite things in the preseason, right, are, or I guess my, my only favorite thing, but something I saw that I love. I love these young quarterbacks, man. I love these guys who are backup quarterbacks who are just getting a shot, who like make big plays and they're really talented. And I saw something that was absolutely a joy this past weekend. Patriots undrafted free agent quarterback slash receiver Malik Cunningham. He played a little bit of receiver during the game, goes in and plays quarterback in the final drive against the, God, who are they playing? The Houston Texans. And he's a former Louisville quarterback. So is Lamar Jackson. Malik Cunningham looked like Lamar Jackson in this football game. I was like, whoa, this is awesome. And again, that final drive for Malik Cunningham played in the final drive of the Patriots game at quarterback, had a 14-play, 75-yard touchdown drive. Moved him right down the field. This is my favorite part of that whole game. A lot of the game was kind of boring. Bailey Zappi was underwhelming. Mac Jones didn't play. Malik Cunningham, dude, this guy was awesome. He was three for four passing with 19 yards through the air. By the way, that one incomplete pass was a touchdown pass that got dropped in the end zone. You're like, man, this guy can't get, he's killing it. The only incomplete pass was a touchdown that should have been caught. That's awesome. He ran five times for 34 yards, including he had a sweet touchdown where he made a lot of man miss and broke tackles and runs in the end zone. You're like, that's a beautiful, that's amazing. I love that. And... I just can't wait to watch more Malik Cunningham. I, I don't know what's going to happen there, but Bailey Zappi's boring to watch. <laughs> it's just, I don't want to watch. It's, I'm not watching any more Bailey Zappi during the preseason. I don't care. Malik Cunningham, that's electrifying. That's fun. Can run, can throw. The next two games in the preseason, the New England's playing Green Bay and Tennessee. And uh, I'm hoping to watch Malik Cunningham, man. He's exciting. He's fun. He can run, he can throw. He's a cool underdog story because he's undrafted. Kind of a, a receiver. The Patriots like, we don't think you're going to be a great quarterback. We're going to put you at receiver. But they gave him a couple reps at quarterback. He did really well with that opportunity. The one time he got a shot, leads him right down the field. They go score a touchdown, and he scores a touchdown. I love that, man. And uh, I am rooting so, so hard for Malik Cunningham. I want to see the guy make the roster and get more of an opportunity at quarterback because he is fun to watch. By the way, the best backup so far all year. In the preseason. So far, it's Dorian Thompson-Robinson out of UCLA, the rookie quarterback in Cleveland. Uh, in the Hall of Fame game against the Jets, he looked really good. Then this past weekend against Washington, he looked awesome. The dude is playing so well. Against Washington, DTR was 9 for 10 passing. 102 yards and a touchdown throw. He is throwing from different arm angles. He's doing high-level stuff. He's accurate. He knows the system. Can run around. I mean, again, this is exactly why I love the preseason. These young guys who are just not going to get a shot any other time of the year. 
watching them play and do well, it, it's so fun. It's a joy. And DTR, man, is right now stealing the show. Of all the backup quarterbacks, he, he's playing the best. And uh, gosh, it's awesome. By the way, in this game, Browns rookie safety Ronnie Hickman out of Ohio State. Not one, but two interceptions in this game. That's nice. Good for Ronnie Hickman. You'll love to see that. All right. Um, Baker Mayfield played in this uh, this past weekend. He looked pretty good. Uh, he was eight for nine passing, had 63 yards and a touchdown. I thought that's a nearly perfect day for Baker Mayfield. Um, I don't know why Tampa isn't just naming him the starter. It's very weird to me. He looked way better than Kyle Trask, who is currently the competition for the starting quarterback job in Tampa. I don't know what's happening. I don't know why Tampa won't just name Baker Mayfield the starting quarterback. I can't make any sense of it. I understand making him earn the job. You're like, we're not just going to hand you the job. You got to earn it, kid. I, that's an old school mentality. You got a defensive coach, head coach. I get it. I understand that. But what are we doing? Why isn't Baker the guy? Well, what's the hesitation here? He looks outstanding. He's, I, I just don't, I don't understand here. And I, I guess I asked the question, has Baker not earned it yet? Like, what are we doing? Kyle Trask? He's not your starting quarterback. Start Baker, make him the guy. And I think Baker rewards you. When you believe in Baker Mayfield and you give him confidence and support, he rewards you. He plays better. He wants people to believe in him. He's got that underdog mentality, but not from a healthy place, from a place of being doubted. He doesn't need to be doubted by his own football team. I don't know why Tampa is so slow to naming him their starting quarterback, but Baker should be the guy in Tampa. He looks good. Had a great preseason game, and I don't understand the hesitation there. Um, Sam Howell in Washington looked solid. Nine for 12. Sam Howell's the new starting quarterback there. Had 77 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you know, Jahan Dotson helped him out a little bit, made a sweet play, got into the end zone yards after the catch. What I saw from Sam Howell was a guy who has a big arm, who can run around. He ran for a first down on third and six, made a guy miss. Uh, extended a play a couple times. There's a play on fourth and three where he extended it and kept the play live, throws for a first down. And... I, I like what I saw. I, I, I watched Sam Howell and went, this could work. Okay, there we go. Um, we've heard a lot of a lot of weird stories about Eric Bieniemy. The guys don't like him, and I, I don't know what to make of that story. I think it's probably a big nothing burger. But uh, if Sam Howell's good, what does that mean for Washington? If Sam Howell really is going to move the ball well and play good at quarterback, I think they've got a good defense in Washington. What's the ceiling for this football team? I'm not sure because in their division, you've got Dallas, Philly, and the Giants. All three were playoff teams last year. It's not the toughest division in football. I would argue the AFC North or the AFC East is more tough, better teams. But what's going to happen in Washington? If he's good, how good can Washington be? I don't know. But I saw a quarterback who looks ready and is going to play, I think, fairly well. Not amazing, not doing crazy stuff, but making good reads. He's accurate, got a good arm. Nothing wrong. He's not doing anything crazy bad, and that's encouraging to me. He's not going to lose you the game. So I don't know. I, I just asked that question. What's it mean for Washington if Sam Howell really is actually good? I mean, I, you know, <laughs> it's a it's a wild division. That NFC East, if Washington can play and has a good quarterback who's going to keep him in games, I mean, man, what do you do? Like, what, what's, what's going to happen there? Because it's... That's four competitive football teams in the NFC East. And if Sam Howell plays that way all year during the regular season, that's a viable quarterback who's probably your starter for a while. And it's it's a small sample size, 9 for 12, not a lot of passes. But again, he ran that system well. And the key to me is there's no awful, ugly plays. No 
insanely bad mistakes. He executed and play calling was good. He got three good receivers there, Curtis Samuel, Jahan Dotson, and Terry McLaurin. I, I see a lot of potential in Washington. A lot of stuff to think about there. Now, one guy who's kind of hard to judge is Bears quarterback Justin Fields. Hard to judge because against Tennessee, he had a crazy stat line. One of the most insane stat lines I've seen in a long time. And this is, I want to be very clear. I am not criticizing Justin Fields. It's just hard to know what to do with this information. He was three for three passing at 129 yards and two touchdowns. Now, both touchdown passes came on a play where he threw a screen pass, one to Khalil Herbert, one to DJ Moore. They make a crazy play run for a lot of yards and a touchdown. And you're like, wow. That's uh, not a Justin Fields highlight necessarily. Like that's a guy catching a pass and making crazy stuff happen, but it's also not a bad thing. I like seeing guys around Justin Fields making big plays. It's finally not only Justin Fields doing all the heavy lifting. I don't know what to do with, do with that information. It's like, wow, okay. But hey, uh, the, the cast around Justin Fields is better than it's ever been during his NFL career. And uh, hey, I like what they did. I, I Again, I, I'm not going to – I just – I don't know. It's just a really interesting game. Only a couple plays, two touchdowns, very little actual work done at quarterback. Um, that's interesting to me. And uh, it's not a stat line you can criticize at all, but it's definitely one you're like, well, he didn't do a lot. But it's kind of good he didn't have to because it shows they're finally supporting him. There's good players around him in Chicago. Now, uh, only a couple left. Seahawks quarterback Drew Locke did really well against Minnesota. Uh, He was 17 for 24, 191 yards, two touchdown passes, one interception. Uh, It was an ugly interception. Didn't see a linebacker. It was not great. But he played three quarters, had a couple touchdown passes, did some really good stuff. And it's the first time I've ever watched Drew Locke and really felt like, you know, maybe there's hope for him. This might work out. This is actually interesting. He's a former second-round pick in Denver was traded to Seattle. They were kind of thinking, hey, we got a, a, a former really talented quarterback on the cheap. Maybe he'll become our starting quarterback. Then Geno Smith is the guy. Drew Locke's done nothing. He's 26 years old, but I don't know, man. Geno was a backup for a long time. You know, backup behind Seattle and, and Seattle behind Russell Wilson, backup behind other quarterbacks. And he took his time. He learned. He got ready and came out of nowhere and was dominant last year. Geno's not going anywhere anytime soon, but Gino's also not a young man, and it's it's possible that maybe Drew just hangs around for a long time and has a similar path to Geno Smith, where eventually when Geno's ready to move on, Drew Locke gets a shot and does what Geno Smith did. I'm, that's, a, that's a lot of things that have to go right for that to happen, but crazier things have happened before, and they're certainly teaching Drew Locke a lot because he looks better than he has probably ever in his NFL career. I like seeing that, man. And... um I don't know. It's just interesting. Drew Locke's another quarterback. Can't wait to watch him during the rest of the preseason. He did a great job uh, this past weekend. Now, I got to say one other thing about Seattle. Their young guys look really good. I want to do a topic about the draft picks they've made, not just this draft, but in in recent years and how high their success rate is. They're getting great players in the draft after a couple of years. And this, the good drafting in Seattle it's hard not to believe that's going to lead to a Super Bowl eventually. I mean, they're just doing such a good job with their young guys, developing them, teaching them. They're all working out. And uh, I think Seattle is better than my predictions uh, showed. I-, I can't wait to do round two of predictions and really, I think, right some of the wrongs and injustices that were done. I'll, I'll probably call that that episode 
fixing my predictions. And then in parentheses, predictions round two. It's going to be fun. And Seattle, gosh, man, they got some some good young talented players there that are doing good stuff. And some of these guys are backups and they're even playing well. So it's, it's just encouraging what's happening in Seattle. Now, I want to talk about three final things at the end of the show today. Things that are not a full topic or not a notable quarterback, but are interesting. First of all, the best play all weekend was Jaguars quarterback Nathan Rourke. On a third and 16, he was he ran around, he avoided a sack, he literally broke four tackles. Then he threw a touchdown against the Cowboys where defenders were hanging off of his body, pulling him into the ground. He throws a touchdown and you're like, I, I encourage you, if you haven't seen that play, you probably have if you're any kind of football fan on social media. But this play from Nathan Rourke was best play of the weekend. It's incredible. I, I, that's amazing. I love seeing that. And he also ran for a touchdown on the day. Nathan Rourke was 9 for 17, had 153 yards, one touchdown pass, one, inter- uh, one, one touchdown pass, one touchdown run, no picks. Um, what a cool story. I, kids came out of, he's from Ohio University, the Bobcats. They're in Athens, Ohio. It's Joe Burrow's hometown. Spent time in the CFL for a little while. Now he's here. Nathan Rourke could become the backup quarterback in Jacksonville. I, he impressed me a lot. And, I mean, that throw, that play, that's a... No matter what happens to Nathan Rourke the rest of his life, he's going to have that play to point to. Look at his grandkids, his children. He's going to say, look at what dad did. And, uh, man, what a great job by him. That was just a, one of my joys of the weekend was like, I said to my dad, I'm like, dad, look at this play. This is amazing. And it's awesome. Here's a funny story. Um, Blake Groupie, G-R-U-P-E, but pronounced Groupie like a band Groupie. Blake Groupie is a rookie kicker from Notre Dame. Uh, playing for the Saints. He hit the game winner, by the way, in his first ever NFL game. That's so cool. Good for him. But he told the story on Twitter afterwards. He got questioned, apparently, walking onto the field pregame for not having credentials. People are like, are you sure you're a player? What's happening here? And then leaving the game, after kicking the game-winning kick, by the way, security thought he was a fan leaving out the player's exit. And uh, I can't blame security here. Uh, I, I th- I've got a picture of him I'm going to put on screen. He looks like a little kid. Like, I don't, I don't blame anyone for thinking, this guy isn't an NFL player. <laughs> but, it, I mean, how cool is that? To, to not even have security understand who he is, and then he gets the game winning kick and does a great job. you love that. And uh, I've seen videos, like, I snuck into blank. I mean, people sneak in everywhere. Again, security, you can't blame him. I snuck into a couple things. I snuck into a Quinn 92 concert. Uh, University of Portland. I was not a University of Portland student, but I found a way in to go watch a, a guy I love. I once snuck into PAX West to go meet Colin Moriarty, uh, favorite podcast host. I love him, love his show, love video games. Um, so I don't blame security at all for doubting him and saying, like, who is this kid? We're not going to let you in. And and definitely pushing back a little bit, but it also adds to the lore. For Bailey Groupie, or for, sorry, for Blake Groupie, excuse me, it adds to the story that, like, yeah, I was barely even led into the facility, led onto the field, and then I kicked the game-winning kick. You love to hear that story. Very cool. Um, I don't know if anybody's interviewed him yet, but if they haven't, they should. That's the kind of guy, if you're local media in New Orleans, that's a really fun story to cover. And uh, I bet security won't question him next time. They're going to say, oh, yeah, you, kid. We know you. We blew up on social media because you were talking about how we barely let you into the stadium. (laughs) So, I don't know. Cool for Bailey Groupie. And then... To end the show today, I want to tell you my favorite story. Uh, like, just a just a cool one. One that you're like, wow, it's amazing this happened. CJ Okoye, uh, a rookie defensive tackle, technically listed as a defensive tackle. He's 6'6", 315 pounds. 
CJ Okoye did not play college football. He's a rookie who has never played football anywhere before his game against the Rams this past weekend. Plays for the Chargers. He had, I think this is so crazy, he had an NFL sack, and this sack came in his first ever football game at any level. How insane is it even that his first football game at any level is an NFL game? That's what, that's what happens when you're a player who's 6'6", 315 pounds, but he worked his way up. He's part of the International Player Pathway Program. He went to the Combine in London. Kid from Nigeria, a town who I, I probably can't even pronounce the name of his hometown. It's so cool. I just that's an amazing story. I know there are NFL players who are have heritage from Nigeria. Guy Samson Dibakam plays for the Colts right now. I he went to high school with him. He's amazing. Great defensive end. Played at Eastern Washington, then the Rams. Now he's in then 49ers. Now he's in Indy. And this guy, CJ Okoye, just such a talented guy. And for him to have never played football before. Then in his first ever game, not only it's crazy that like his first ever football game wasn't a high school game or a college game. First time ever playing an organized football game, it's in the NFL. That's already an amazing story. That's enough said. But then he has a sack. I love that. That's so cool and good for him. I don't know if he's going to make the roster or not. Um, You would hope so, man. Like to come all that way from Nigeria and then not make the team would be, I mean, keep him on the practice squad if nothing else because Clearly, he's got potential. You can coach that kid up, man. Oh, my gosh. I'm rooting for him so hard. CJ Okoye, uh, I, I am 97% sure I'm saying his last name right, although I, I really don't know. I wonder what CJ stands for. I'm sure there's a story there. But uh, I love this kid, man. That's awesome for him. Great job. I hope he makes the team. And uh, that's a storyline to follow. It almost makes me wish the Chargers had hard knocks so I could see his story followed a little bit closer. But uh, maybe that's the kind of thing that the Chargers PR team's got to make some videos about because what a cool, cool story that guy is. And um, I can't get over that. First ever game to play football or first ever football game at any level is an NFL game and you have a sack. I mean, just my first football game was like Ron Russell Middle School. I was a tight end in seventh grade, right? Like <laughs> I don't know. It's just awesome for him. I love that. Good for him. What a cool story. And uh, that's the show today. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. How long have we been going for? Oh, wow. Um, oh, I, it's, it says 34 minutes, but that's not accurate because at one point I had to cut the show. I had to sneeze really bad. So I don't know how long we've been going for. Probably about an hour. Guys, I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. We will talk tomorrow. But um bum bam, we are done.